Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. You're listening to episode number 74 with Catherine of Creme Brands. As I say in the episode, I've followed Catherine for forever. She's one of the designers I've looked up to almost my whole career, you guys. So whenever I get a chance to talk to her on the podcast, I'm so excited to do so. Definitely go follow her at Creme Brands and go back and watch on the old, old, old Instagram live when I got to interview her from Bali, which was great. We have a great conversation about growing and scaling as an agency, also about how she's won some pretty remarkable design awards, which was really interesting. But we have a really honest conversation and she's one of my favorites. So I know you're going to love this episode. Don't forget if you liked it, to share it to your stories. We'd love to see. Tag both of us. We'd love to push it through and connect with you guys and leave a review if you get the chance to. Enjoy. Kiss my aesthetic. Branding, marketing, entrepreneurship. You're listening to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co., where we build brag-worthy brands through visual identity design and social media. You're in the right spot for branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice, so enjoy the episode. Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I have Catherine of Cream Brands on the pod today. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you. And I always have to say the K in MKW is my initials and it's Catherine spelled K-A-T-H-R-Y-N. That's the right spelling. So you spell it that way. I spell it that way. And then one of our designers spells it that way. So So there you go. We love that. And it's so funny because I've had like three or four Michelles on the podcast recently as well. I was like, what is happening (laughs) that this is keep coming, keeps coming up. But nonetheless, you're a brand designer as well, of course. For someone who doesn't follow you or hasn't heard of your brand yet, can you tell us who you are, what you do, and who you help? So I'm Catherine Jawakum. I started Crim Brands nine years ago, and we do brand strategy design and websites for businesses that want to elevate. They want to take their business to the next level, attract more clients, or attract clients at a higher price point, or pivot into markets they haven't been able to tap into before. Ooh, yes. We love the Elevate. That's very much in keeping with our bragworthy theme, which we'll get into, of going from basic to bragworthy. Of We don't want you to just have the bare minimum. We want you to be next level, so elevating for sure. Um, but take us back kind of to the beginning of your business. We, You and I connected years ago now. We did? Years and years. You were one of the designers where I'm like, I admire her process so much because you do like pencil to paper work. And that was never my strong suit. And I used to look at your stuff and be like, God, it's so good. <laughs> and I started following you way, way, way back when. But tell us about how you actually got started doing brand design. Oh, thank you. So I studied graphic design and illustration. And after I graduated with that degree, I worked in book publishing. So I did a lot of book covers. And then I also did branding um, for some imprints. And that's where I really learned the value of that first impression, because that's really what you're doing with the book cover. You're trying to convey what's on the inside of these, this cover and back cover, all these hundreds of pages you're trying to just give a very quick impression of the feeling and vibe, which is really very similar to what you do with branding because branding is all about creating a first impression and then sustaining it because you want to create that really cohesive, consistent brand experience. So along the way, um, in those early days back in downtown Chicago, when I was kicking off my career, I realized, you know, these book covers are great, but what I really like is the small amount of pixels where you're trying to say a lot. 
And that's the challenge I loved with logo design. And I realized I wanted to do more of it. And I saw that a lot of small business owners out there, they were really, really talented at their craft, the products and services they were selling, but they were seriously underselling themselves. So the way they were positioning themselves wasn't at all conveying what the actual experience was like. And so a lot of really talented people a lot of really, you know, fabulous businesses are kind of a best kept secret. And it's only mm-hmm. once you start working with them or buying from them that you realize, oh, wow, they're really worth it. Absolutely. But what branding can do is connect the dots for you with that first impression and then carry it through. So I knew I wanted to do more with branding. And so after about four years in the publishing world, I decided to focus exclusively on branding and websites. And I started Krim. And it's been a wonderful journey with many twists and turns, but has really stayed true to those services the whole time. Oh, love that. And I totally said cream brands and I meant to say creme brands. Does that happen often? Cream I creme? didn't even notice. Oh, uh, you know, potato, potato. I think it's a, yeah, you know, you know, I get MWK, MK, like literations, pe- right? And here's people in branding. <laughs> We've got two brand names that people <laughs> can kind of fudge. But I love that you're, you've made this analogy of like, the business owner that is so talented that their branding is now not reflecting where they are or the quality of service or communicating all of these great values that they bring to their customer. How do you even start to like chip away at what that should be? I know I've got a brand questionnaire. I envision you as something similar. How do you help business owners get to that like core essence? Mm. So many questions, I think, lead to that because it's really this process of distilling down. So yeah, we have a long questionnaire that clients will often tell me that was really hard. That was a lot of work. Uh Uh I always try to help them expect it's going to be some soul searching. Because the thing is, when you're running your business, whether you're in branding or social media, you're so busy just working in the business, you probably aren't taking a lot of time to work on it. So I think there's almost this unnatural shift that happens when you go through a branding process as the client, uh, whether it's for your own stuff or for you know a client's um, stuff, where you're like, oh, I'm thinking about all of this from a different lens, from the mm-hmm. viewpoint of my customer versus from the viewpoint of me as the creator or as the guide. So it, you know, it really is kind of getting people out of their comfort zone to look at it through the lens of their ideal client. What does that ideal client want, need, and you know, why? Why do they want all those things? And so it's really about going below the surface of, okay, you're selling a product or service to what's the idea and the feeling that you're selling as a business? Because that's ultimately what a brand is. It's not, uh, it's not just that surface level transaction. It's, it's so much deeper. And it's really how you're connecting with people and what people remember about you. So it's much more in the feelings zone when you ultimately boil it down. So yeah, there's lots of questions that lead us to that point. Um, And yeah, happy to kind of share some of those. There's a lot of fun questions too that make it less heady and try to make it a little bit more tangible. Something tells me you're a story brand fan. Donald Miller? I, I haven't actually read his whole book. Really? Okay, but I've I've listened to a few podcasts on it, and um, it's a very interesting like system. But I haven't actually become like a story so interesting. Brand or anything. Okay, yeah. you're gonna love it. You should download it on audiobook. I'm a big audiobook person because you know, go on a walk, take the dog out, go to the beach, whatever. Listen to audiobook. Story brand. You used a lot of the same terminology that he uses, which is why maybe I thought that you oh, listened to it before. Interesting. But he talks about as a business owner, you want to position yourself as the guide and not the hero because your Mm -hmm. client has to be the hero. 
And if you position your business as the hero, I'm amazing, I'm great, everything's awesome, blah, 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 then your client goes, okay, yeah, me too, cool, bye. And like you both see each other as heroes. But if you position yourself as the guide, that means that you have some kind of knowledge, access, service, product, something that will then help the hero become an even bigger hero in their own story. So think of every classic, like you've got your Yoda, you've got your Haymitch and Katniss Everdeen, you've got this Harry Potter and Dumbledore, like you've always got this like guide person who helps the hero because the other thing about heroes is they have flaws. So a hero has a story with this struggle up to the climax. And by the time they get up to the top of the hill, who's the first person they think is the person that helps get them there right? So as the business owner, you want to be the guide to help the person overcome the problem so that they, when they do feel victorious, they feel proud of themselves, but then they also credit and thank their guide. Interesting, huh? You'll start to notice it. And that's kind of what he talks about in the book is like, you start to notice all of that. So if we think of like, if you position yourself as the guide as well, then it's, and I say this to my clients all the time, like it's your brand. Like, I want nothing more than for you to be successful. At the end of the day, you have to love it. And your ideal client, of course, your ideal client has to love it. That's what we're going for. But I I am here to help you realize your own vision. It's not about me creating a piece that's going to fit for my portfolio. It's about me helping you create your vision of your own brand, right? What do you think about that stuff? Yeah, I do think it it comes down to connecting with their ideal client. Yeah. And sometimes they don't sometimes a client doesn't realize like what doors are even open to them. They might know ultimately where they're trying to get in the maze of their business goals, but they may not know which doors to open or knock on. I really feel like that's what your role as a designer is, is to show them, well, hey, topography, color, texture, these are are some of the nuances we're going to open that you may not realize it, but this is all going to contribute to that vibe that ultimately communicates you're a really premium luxury brand, or maybe you're really fun, energetic, playful, or maybe you're very corporate, bold, strong, whatever kind of mix of nuances you're going for. I don't think the client realizes which doors are going to open them. True. No, that's a really good point. So this is part of your branding process, of course, but you have other offerings with the website as well. Um, Walk us through basically from your free content or like bottom of the ladder, all the way up to your VIP offerings. What's everything that you offer your, your clients? So free would be um, just free tips and content on social media. Um, try to do a good bit of that. And then we do have um, some freebies as well. We have six keys to a standout brand that we send all of our inquiries. So it's a little workbook with a free brand audit and brand checklist. And then in terms of paid offerings, it starts with consulting. So 90-minute consulting calls are, it's really nice for people to get kind of creative director on demand. Maybe you're just looking at your site and you want someone with expertise to be able to tell you which ways you should go or kind of brainstorm with you. Or maybe you just want someone to go through and give you feedback on what needs to be moved around, what needs Mm -hmm. to be switched so it converts better, and you just feel overwhelmed and need someone to guide you through that. So consulting is really great for that. I also do consulting one-to-one with designers where we actually go through your whole process and all the systems you're using. And I share my boilerplates and just things I've spent the last almost decade setting up and crim and really just share that freely. And we talk about challenges and 
different ways you can tackle those. But then, of course, our design offerings, we do phase one, which is brand strategy and design, which is a four to six week process. And then phase two is the website strategy And that is a two-week process, and that's where we actually kind of build an architectural blueprint for your website. And that is everything from wireframes to 30-page document giving you all your technical integrations, your visual website map of how are we going to progress traffic through this website? What's the story we're telling? It's very in-depth and thorough. So that's your blueprint. And then phase three is where we actually take that blueprint and we go build it. So that's custom coding, development, SEO, implementation, UX, where we're making sure everything is flowing and we're integrating your copy and your visuals and your images all in a way that is really helping set you apart. So those are the three phases that we take our clients through. Some clients just come to us for phase one, and then some clients come for all three phases. Impressive. And you've really grown and scaled those three phases. How long would you say, like the last year you've really honed in on that? Yeah, it's been the last year. So before we were doing a bundled uh, package of branding plus website, but what I found is it didn't allow clients the time they needed to really assess what content they would need to gather Mm -hmm. or hire people for. And so it just became kind of a stressful thing for our clients where they were having to kind of come up with content out of thin air. The time frame just didn't afford, you know, delivery of really detailed grayscale wireframes, which now everyone is kind of on literally on the same page. You know, we have a really clear visual map for every page. They have a chance right. to sign off on it. They have a chance to sign off on custom quote. It's just been really wonderful for everyone because I'm a big believer in transparency. And I think same. I love the quote by Brene Brown that clear is kind And so, you know, I think if we can be really clear with our recommendations, then our clients are getting our full expertise and, you know, they're not just thinking, oh, you're going to like whip a website out of thin air, which is kind of an industry norm, unfortunately, when websites, it's like going through a custom house build process where you have a lot of options and you kind of need someone to be like, this is what you should do, but here's B or C and this is why we don't recommend it or here's the price difference. And unfortunately, a lot of times a client isn't even informed of those things. And and that's too bad because then the project launches and they realize, oh, this doesn't actually do what I wanted it to do. Yeah. I think about that as the reason why I got out of doing websites because (laughs) I was doing websites. (laughs) Okay. Here's the thing. Love branding, but I'm also like very shiny object syndrome. I wouldn't say it's full ADHD, but I like a challenge. And then when I'm done with the challenge, I like to move on from the challenge. <laughs> that doesn't mean I don't like still working with the brand. Of course I do. But the the branding process is a very clear start and stop, right? We're starting your branding project and now you have the assets and now it is done. And with websites, they just felt like they go on forever, the projects. And I think that in my younger years, that was my lack of like setting boundaries or like you said, clear is kind, not having a clear process, not having a clear time frame on things. And I'd be like, well, I want to add another page. It's like, well, that's outside of the scope of work. Like there's just, it feels like in an infinity long project. And I think that the pace of it didn't work well with like my creativity. And so I just stopped offering websites altogether. And now I refer websites out to a partner that does websites because it just wasn't a good use of my skill set. Whereas with social media, that's where I thrive because I love the fast pace. I love the quick, okay, you got a campaign. We've got to sell this many candles for sure. We've got this campaign and we're going to do this initiative. You got it. Like that's more how my brain works. But I like that you've broken that down into 
because it really is two parts. It's like build it. Well, like you said first, architecturally, like sketching it up, creating the plan, right? So like create the plan and then build based on the plan. Let's not just like build blindly. I love that you set that distinction and it's working, huh? Yeah, it's been wonderful. Well, it's so interesting you say that about your own journey because I was ready to walk away from websites altogether at one point because I thought this is just there, there's a lot that goes into a website and I totally. it's so multi-layered and skills you have, like I mentioned, it's SEO, it's professional developer, it's um, SEO consultants, it's UX designers, it's Copy. copywriters. Photography. It's, but yeah, it's image curation. It is really so many different skill sets that you're bringing together um, under one contract. And what that means is you're liable for that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really a lot. Um And there was one point when I was like, hey, I don't know, I'd rather just do these more contained projects like you're saying. Branding is really my thing as well, where I I absolutely love it. But I'm so glad that I went to a mastermind reunion actually last year and was talking to one of my fellow masterminders and actually two of them. Hannah Avad is a coach. Um, She's a mindset coach. And then Lindsay is a dentist and has a startup but they were both just really, you know, asking me some questions that it really started just helping me pull on these threads of what's not optimum? Like, where am I losing money? Like mm-hmm. literally paying money out of my own pocket to finish some of these website projects because I am going to act in integrity as much as, you know, if I say I'll do something like I will. But when, when you have all these kind of vendors that are working for you and there's just a lot of complexity, it's really it can be challenging. And there can be things like, it's just like if you go into a construction renovation project, everyone knows like add four weeks minimum, right? Everyone expects that. But for some reason in the digital world, it all feels less tangible. And it's like, oh, well, there won't won't be supply chain issues. So nothing's going to change, right? And so anyways, I was like at this point of burnout where I was like, I just don't know if I want to do this. And thankfully, they were able to really ask me some questions that showed me oh, like this is really what's happening. And it was the most like illuminating conversation where I was able to then come back from that and kind of remap everything out. And I've had my business nine years. Nothing has been a game changer like this because okay. our whole team is empowered, taking ownership. It's a totally yes. different vibe. Whereas before I was like, oh, this is really hard because you have all these different staff on a team and who is like collective owner? Well, it's like, well, I am, but physically I don't have the bandwidth to be part of everything. Like that's why I'm paying all these people, literally paying. So anyways, it's been such a game changer for us to roll this out. And I guess the point of the story I want you guys to hear is sometimes you don't need to quit something. Yes. You just need to figure out how, what's the small change you can make that's going to have a ripple effect. And that's when you get really honest about what hasn't gone well, like what did catch you off guard. And you actually just like acknowledge all those things, hold space for them, and then see if there's some other ways of doing things. And you might be really surprised that you don't have to just stop, but you can actually just change how you're doing it. Yeah. It's, it's being in business is constantly about auditing and revising everything. (laughs) 
Like you have to be constantly doing tune-ups because you can't just build the machine and let it run forever without coming back and figuring out, okay, well, could we make this part better? Could this go smoother? Could this be faster? Could this be better optimized? And I think that goes for your service offerings also. And the example within my team is we were running Instagram and TikTok for brands since October, 2020. And we've had our fair share of like about a dozen clients like come on for a certain retainer, growing their brands. It's been amazing. Awesome. Instagram, as we know, is not the Instagram that it once was. Don't even get me started. We've talked about it many times on the podcast. And just all signs were pointing starting this year, 2022, all signs were pointing to maybe this isn't worth our effort. This is a lot of effort. Posts, stories, engagement, reels, everything for very minimal return on behalf of our clients. And so same thing. I had to be honest, kind of look myself in the mirror and be like, if our goal is growing brag worthy brands, then maybe Instagram is just not the avenue to do that anymore. Like, oh, let's consider what, where could we create the most impact for our effort and really move the needle for our clients? Because at, at the end of the day, that's what we care about. And so we scrapped Instagram and now we're rolling out a whole new offering of just video content marketing because that gets me fired up. That's a skill set that I think our team has. And now it's been like reworking everyone's job descriptions and reworking all the offerings and reworking all the project structure, which is a pain in the ass, but it's build it so that it can sustain, right? So that was a big like audit, rework, rebuild, and then hope that that new addition of that machine is going to help, you know, take us for the next 10, 15, 20 months from now. So it's tricky, but tell us kind of all the members on your team and their responsibilities and maybe how they've morphed or changed over the years. Yeah. So we have a really lean team and I love them. They're so amazing. So we have Morgan, who is our operations manager. She basically does project management, client concierge role, all rolled into one. She really orchestrates and manages the team. And then there is Catherine B, who I mentioned, she's, we spell our names the same, which is, you know, we're in this cool circle, Michelle, the three of us. Uh-huh, exactly. Um, this cool club of Catherine's. But Catherine B is wonderful. She is a UX designer and layout designer. So she will take um, like a branding concept and logo system that I create, and she'll apply that just in really thoughtful, beautiful, strategic ways for layouts. Um, she actually builds most of our websites in terms of like front end design. And then Francisca is our technical lead and layout designer. And she also just started doing um, some video editing and social for Mm. us as well. So that's really exciting. But Francisca is the one that helps our team research and really dive into, well, what technical integrations could we use here? What are the options, the pros and cons? Um, She is just incredible. Like she's our super sleuth at finding answers and really making sure we're not just giving like a surface level recommendation, but looking at the client's actual goals and business model and making sure we're creating the best option for them. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love how the teams too, I think we are, we're at this really unique opportunity to make a workspace kind of thanks to the pandemic where you can really redefine people's roles. And I liked what you said about how you know, you're the owner of the business, of course, but you want them to also have ownership, like everyone on your team to have like ownership in the success. And I talk about this with my team all the time. I said, any statistics that we garner for the clients are also your statistics to use. Like, please use them. Like, please shout it out. You, we just did all of our bonuses. So basically all the, 
all of the social media managers on my team, they make a base pay on the number of clients they make per month, but then they get paid out bonuses based on the performance of their content. So if they have a reel that hits over 10K views, they're getting paid out an additional $25. So we just did their like quarterly reviews. And so we went back for every client they worked on, for every reel or TikTok they posted and got to tally up how many reels they got with over 10K views. And one of my girls, she's like, yeah, I had 15 last quarter. I was like, incredible. Like, absolutely. Please share that. (laughs) Celebrate that. Because those are huge numbers that you had 15 reels in a quarter hit over 10K views. Like, that's that's a huge selling metric. Whereas in branding, we don't get those like cold hard metrics. Yeah. You know, but you can that's something that someone can, who who needs help with marketing can understand. Right? Where if they're trying to make reels and they're struggling and they're just hitting their head against the wall, they're like, "Wow, oh my gosh, if I can work with Michelle and their team, they can get my reels with high visibility." So I was kind of helping them explain them. On the first hand, I'm like happy to pay them out. You create killer content? Hell yeah, you just doubled your paycheck from last month. Awesome. Like but also let's use that. Let's use that. How do we turn that those statistics, those numbers into something that then helps propel all of us forward and get even higher caliber clients? So I'm very like incentive based in that way, but it just makes it fun. It's like, I don't know. I like love giving people more money. Like that's the best, but it's also fun to make it based on, on performance too. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. One thing we do that's been really helpful is we have, um, we'll do like a virtual retreat where we do just a debrief on what went really well. And then what are things that, you know, didn't go the way we expected or surprised us or were even challenging. And as a team, just brainstorming, what can we do? And then running with working on our own business for that day together, we can knock a lot of stuff out if we all just attack it where we do like intake. This is what happened. Okay, now we're going to like change some things in our process. And that's actually been just incredible. And I feel like each time we've done that, it's helped a lot to, to get their insights. And there's things that I think I'm way too close to, and I don't see it the way Same. they do because they all have different skill sets too than I do. And there's many things where they're like, oh, well, we can just do it like this. And it's like, great, let's do that. So yeah, it's been wonderful. I think it's important to hire people also that have skill skill sets outside of your own skill set. It took me a long time to get to that place because I am very much a do-it-yourselfer, like self-starter, YouTube, everything, Google, everything, do it all myself. And I took a lot of pride in doing things by myself. And then I think you get over the hump where you're like, wait a second, I think I'd rather pay someone that knows how to do this better than me. Can you think of instances where that might have happened in your business? Oh, yeah. Totally went on that journey. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I made my first hire probably like after my first year in business, maybe during my first year in business. She started doing some social tasks for me. She ended up um, being with me, I think, like six or seven years. It was quite a long time. And she kind of graduated into layout designer. She's really the only designer I worked with. And then as we were growing and just taking on more clients and opening up our capacity, I did bring in two other layout designers. And I didn't mention this before. I just kind of went over our core team. But we do work with kind of a network of different developers as well. It just depends on the project and kind of what technical skills are needed. And then, yeah, we've definitely brought on some other specialists in the past for different needs as well. But our core team, we're like, you know, in Discord every day, talking back and forth and working on stuff together. But yeah, so I brought on our layout designers about, I think, a year and a half ago now. So that, and then deciding to bring on an operations person was the biggest shift for me because 
it's, it's honestly such a game changer, but it's like rewiring your brain and your business as well to learn how to have someone else manage a lot of things. Like instead of me directly assigning tasks to the girls, I'll actually assign it to my online business manager who will then appropriately prioritize and delegate to the team. Whereas I would be like, Oh, Hey guys, I just thought of this. Why don't you Here's stop all everything? This stuff. Yeah. I am like that as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like, you almost need that person that's, you know, an outside observer yet an integral part of the team to be able to be like, well, this is what we're working on. This is what's on their plates. This is their capacity. Whereas honestly, I'm not always aware of like yeah. all of those details because I'm over here talking to clients being the chief creative, that's really the job I want for myself too. And that took me a while to come to that as well, because I think when I was originally working on growing my team, I felt a lot of pressure to kind of like hire another me and to then try to scale that way where it's like, oh, you have two or three senior designers that are actually doing, you're basically outsourcing an entire project, right? Totally. Totally. Which is, is a way to grow a business. It's just not the way I want to do it. (laughs) It doesn't sound like it's the way you want to do it either. It works for some people. And I, I think it's wonderful. If that's your skill set that you're a really strong administrator and you are very much like CEO, visionary, move the ball forward type. That's great. But what I've realized is I started this business because I'm an artist. And so for me, I love just like, I know you're very much this way too, Michelle, Mm -hmm. but I love actually designing the logos and being part of that creative process and then making, seeing it through as a creative director. I mean, I don't design every single little graphic and PDF and website page for our clients, but I definitely am super involved and and just make sure it all fits. But honestly, our girls are amazing. It's not like they, at this point, they don't need my (laughs) detailed feedback. But, um, you know, it's it's very much something we all just collaborate really closely on. Even the branding stuff we really collaborate on. A lot of times we'll be talking about ideas together. And I love that creative inspiration process where it's like, oh, wow, like maybe I did draw the sketch or ultimately digitize it and ultimately pick the final Pantones, but it's like it never would have ended up how it did if our designers hadn't brainstormed with me and bounced stuff around. It's like they come up with the best ideas. And so that's been really creatively refreshing for me because for years I was just the solo designer who didn't have that creative input. And it's really refreshing when you can have that. It is. And it's nice to see, just get other people's eyes on it. I think for when you work solo for so long, you're so used to your, your, your greatest strength is also your Achilles heel. And I won't even take credit for saying that. That's like, I've heard that on armchair expert podcast. Um, but in that, if you are the creative visionary, like rainmaker, I want to have the idea. I want to have the conversation with the client. And I bet you're similar to me in that on a discovery call with a client, you already kind of have a picture in your head of how it could go. Like you can already start to see like... I have like an idea of the goals, but I actually have to put pencil to paper and kind of get in my creative space. So yeah, I don't have necessarily like the vision for the logo during the call. Sure. Okay. Okay. Um, Maybe in more of the questionnaire than your pencil to paper. But once you've got pencil to paper, I've got to imagine you're kind of already... You've already been like mentally chewing on it for a while of where you think you might want to go, right? Just because we've now had enough experience where we can do this quickly. But it's it's about finding the people on your team that support your process so that you can do the thing that you're best at. So Madison, who's a junior designer on my team, she helps me. I'll do like the discovery call with the client and the, the questionnaire call, and then I'll send her the recording and she'll compile the stock images, the mood board, the Pinterest boards, 
based on how she interpreted the aesthetics. And I'm like, I love that we have this like checks and balances system because maybe my vision for it was not what she was getting out of it, but at least we have the conversation to be like, okay, are we speaking the same language here? Like, I kind of think we are. And that's really fun. I like that part. It is really fun. Yeah. It's nice to have the input back and forth. So yeah, I think if you're listening to this and you're trying to figure out similar to Catherine and I, like I don't have another designer on my team designing logos. I'm still designing the logos myself because like that's my favorite part. I don't want to give that up, but I can get help with, with all the other stuff, right? Hey designers, you probably heard me say something a little bit ago called the Kiss My Portfolio Challenge. If you're unfamiliar, I created a 10 day, 10 prompt challenge to help designers design better through a hypothetical business idea. You can actually purchase these challenges exactly on my website. And this will walk you through a whole project that you can then use on your website, on your social, and pretty much anywhere else to show off your mad design skills. The link is in today's show notes for the episode, but you can also go directly to my website, mkwcreative.co and search Kiss My Portfolio to check them out. Good luck. Tell us a little bit, and this is purely out of my own curiosity. You just won some major design awards. Congratulations. Thank you. Tell us about that whole process, how you heard of it, how you went all down that road, everything. Like I'm, I'm so curious and I'm so want to cheer you on in that whole thing. Oh, well, I earlier, um, I guess it was actually the end of last year, I had set some business intentions for the year. And one of them was for our team's work to be recognized um, with one design award. And I think I did two PR features, kind of like write-ups about what we're doing and our ethos and our team and all that. Um, So anyways, I set those intentions. And then I was like, oh, well, I think I actually have to take action now. I actually yeah. have to, you know, put <laughs> you mean they're not there. just going to find me? Darn. <laughs> yeah, no one's just going to, like, sit on Google and find your designs and give right. you an award. I hate to break it to you. Right. You actually have to submit it, and you have to put yourself out there. And thankfully, our team, you know, wrote up some really beautiful submissions just telling about our process. And I will say, if it hadn't been for them, I never would have done it. <laughs> Because okay. I didn't okay. realize I had a mental block about this where I think all of a sudden my, um, what is that called? My complex imposter of like, syndrome. Yes, yeah. imposter syndrome came out and I was like, wow, I didn't even know I had this to this degree. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, what if like the clients loved these? You know, they were all like for the client, it was award winning because it's really, it nailed the objectives. It serves them. They signed off on it and like loved it. Right. And I was like, what if that gets like tainted that like we submit these and then no one would even know. Right. But it was like this whole like mental gymnastics I had. I'm such an overthinker guys. But, um, (laughs) so I was like, Oh, I don't know. I, I was busy. Didn't get to it, but our team submitted it. I was actually like out of the country when they submitted it. So I didn't even look to see, what they had submitted. But yeah, I was so happy to see their hard work recognized. And, you know, so it was fun. Um, We submitted three things and got like top 100 nomination at the award show for all three. So we were excited. Got to send the little mint julep cups to each of our designers too. Um, It really, you know, brought all that to life. So yeah, I will say just, you know, don't be afraid to to take that step, to put your work out there. Totally. It's like you miss 100% of the shots, the shots you, don't, you take. don't take. And yep. that is a, a big example of that. I used to do this in college. I would just apply for scholarships all the time. Like this was the thing I would do in my free time just because 
I could write a decent essay. And I was like, yeah, okay, like, let me apply for this. But then I would forget, like, I I didn't have a database or anything of the scholarships that I had applied for. (laughs) So I would come back after the fact, I'd get like an email, be like, congratulations, you got this $2,500 scholarship. (laughs) I was like, I don't even remember what I said. (laughs) It was so bad. I'd have to like go back and look, but it's totally true. Like you've got to participate. Like you've got to buy a lot of ticket to win, you know? And I think that we forget that sometimes. And then you do see like, oh my gosh, amazing. This person won an award. And it's like, wait a second, we could all be doing this and we could all be like submitting our work and we could all be celebrating each other. And that's such an awesome thing. I love that you did that. Um, Tell me how working with Jessica Marks has changed your business. Oh, she's wonderful. And you're out in San Diego. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I met Jessica in like 2016, probably. And then Catherine LaMandry, who you've come to know, um, is a good friend of mine who works with Jessica, of course. And Jessica, I'm trying to schedule her on the podcast, but we missed each other and we've got to like sort out our scheduling. But I know that you've worked really closely with her and she's had a pretty big impact on your business, correct? Yeah. Actually, I found her through you because you did an Instagram live with Jessica and... I had never heard someone give such pithy sales tactics. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's a lot of fluff online, let's be mm-hmm. honest. And I was like, wow, I would love to work with her, but I don't know if I can afford it. You know, it's pretty much just me. And at that time I had a VA and I had my designer that had been with me, like my layout designer that had been with me for years. Um, then I would work with like an SEO specialist here or there. I was mostly doing the website development myself at that point. I had taught myself a lot of code. That's something I would prefer to just forget from my memory, by the right. way. Like I want to not be a developer. I've designed. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so that's kind of where I was at. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I had so many mental blocks about making that leap and taking my business to the next level. Because I knew if I hired her, I couldn't stay in that space where I was really trying to do basically a lot of stuff myself. And I had this huge scarcity mindset of like, oh, well, I just have to do this myself. And oh, well, we can't level up and do this and this and that. So when I went for it, I felt like I kind of got my money back that same day because I was committing mentally to my dreams in a way I never had. It was like a dream I was afraid to even acknowledge. And then when I worked with her, I did a one-to-one six-month program. And then during some overlap, I ended up joining her mastermind during part of that. But yeah, uh, Jessica really, you know, challenged me and she really helped me as I was leveling up and just taking on more complex and bigger projects, different types of clients. You know, there were major growing pains that happened and Jessica was right there with me at every step and advising me and supporting me. And I dread thinking about handling those situations on my own. And the thing is, I still like feel her guidance. This might sound silly, but sometimes I still feel like I want to like channel, like what would Jessica have told me on Boxer to say, you know, I'm not like a current one-to-one client. I mean, I feel like I'm always going to be like a client, you know, in terms of like, she's like my coach, even though not currently, but, um, yeah, I still think about, well, what would she say? Or there's just so many takeaways with mindset and posture mm-hmm. um, because a lot of it is just changing. How are you looking at the things on your plate and what is your mindset about this and how are you structuring and building for the future? So she was a game changer. And what's, what cycles you're finding yourself in, right? Because I think a lot of it is being a business owner is we know that there's this nagging thing that we want, we so desperately wish was different, but we don't take the time to sit down and actually map out how it could be different. 
You know, like I love working. Like I really love working, but I also know that I can't work myself to the point of neglecting my health or neglecting my friendships or neglecting my activity. Like there has to be a balance and I've gotten much better at it as time's gone on. But it also helps that I have an entire family of entrepreneurs. Like my parents are entrepreneurial, my sister, like I've got a really solid network about business. So in that way, I've got the people in my corner, but I can totally see how if you didn't, not to say that you didn't, but if you didn't have that person who's like, no, you can do this. I believe in you. Like someone like Jessica, like to cheer you on and be like, yeah, this is super possible for you. has got to be a really good feeling. Yeah. And she's so much more than a cheerleader though, too. I will say just getting into like the tactical weeds and, you know, I think developing your voice as a CEO, um, both for yourself and for how your client facing is just a super important strength um, to develop and, you know, looking at financials, really staying on top of those, really understanding your numbers. It's a lot of really practical stuff. And, you know, I think there's different kinds of coaches out there too. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking about hiring a coach, you know, make sure you understand what someone's specialty is and background is. So Jessica was a sales executive, um, you know, a billion dollar company and, you know, just has an amazing resume. But she is able to give advice on sales techniques and marketing that other coaches just wouldn't even be able to skim the surface on. Totally. You know, but you might be also looking for more of a mindset coach, Mm -hmm. which someone who maybe you almost want to do like business therapy. And, you know, Jessica is wonderful. She can kind of do all the things, to be honest. But I think you need to be really clear about what you're looking for, because obviously it is a big investment. And is it worth it? 100%. But you need to make sure this lines up with what you're wanting to get out of it really aligns with what that coach specializes in. And I would give someone the same advice about branding. Totally. No, that's what I was going to say. It's like there's people that get really upset about like the fibers and the upworks of the world and everything like that. And I made a video because I got served like this fiber ad on TikTok and I was like annoyed because it goes with just three words. You just put in these three adjectives and you tell us what color you want it to be and we'll spit out your logo. And I'm like, yes. But that can only get you so far, right? Like this isn't, that's not, you get what you pay for. And in some ways that may work for you. But when you're ready to like not, to do way beyond that and to like actually make the investment towards something that's going to move the needle for you and get you to where you want to go or or be a better reflection of where you already are, then like, yeah, that's not going to come from a computer generated logo. What do you think? Oh yeah, I totally agree. Definitely get what you pay for. Yeah, I also think that not everyone is open to going into the next level. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. There are people mm-hmm. though that get it. They know what it takes to move their business to the next level. They're going to see, they're going to make sure they get an ROI out of whatever they do, uh-huh. whether that's a coach, whether that's branding, because they know it's worth it. And so what I've, I'm learning still, it's a kind of a constant work in progress is to just like release the things that don't work out because I know it's like, that wasn't meant for them. That's okay. You know, and I think whether you're a coach, whether you're in branding, just knowing that the client has to have buy-in on the value and they have to be committed. They have to go all in. Jessica always says like, you can't want this more than I can. Mm -hmm. And that's something I've kind of started saying to branding prospects as well, because ultimately I can have a beautiful vision. We can deliver you a technically functional, really, you know, wonderful website and brand experience. But if someone comes to us and they don't understand what their business model is or what their business goals are, like 
we can make something pretty. We can't make something purposeful and profitable. And that's the difference between a nice brand and a really strong, enduring, iconic brand. So if you don't have your business goals, you're not going to be able to move into brand goals. Exactly. Exactly. That's what we should just call this whole episode. (laughs) That's the thing. That's the neon sign that we need. It's like, yeah, you've got to want it. You've got to you've got to be able to see the value of what you're paying for, of course. But we need to also feel from you that like that, that there is this energy exchange, right? Of like the clients fired up about it, we're fired up for them. They're fired up because we're fired up, <laughs> and it all just like feeds itself. Which is those are the best projects to work on, in my opinion. Um, in your own words, what would you say makes your brand bragworthy? So we start everything from pencil sketches. So everything's really handcrafted for a brand you can truly own. And I think, you know, in a world of a lot of brands being, you know, pre-made assets, which isn't necessarily wrong, I think that's one thing that makes us really different. It's just the really custom nature of what we're creating for people, something that's going to be enduring and something that will help them stand out. I love that. Uh, what's one thing that you do particularly well and what's something that you'd like to do better or you'd like to learn? Mm, so one thing I'd like to learn or do better is to be more assertive. Ooh, okay. I like that. And what's something that you think you do extra well? I think listening, understanding people. Yeah, yeah. those are all good ones. Those are all good ones. Well, this gets us all the way to the end already. Go figure. I mean, I could talk to you forever. You're so sweet and kind and I love cheering you on, like I said. So um, where can everyone find you, follow you and connect with your team to maybe even work with you? So at Chrome Brands is our Instagram. Um, If you're a designer and you have any questions of any sort, please send me a DM. I'd be happy to connect. And then you can find our website, crimbrands.com and hopefully it'll be the new one by the time this web this uh, episode airs yeah thank you so much michelle of course and Catherine's also in the facebook group you guys she's been like a guest judge for the kiss my portfolio challenge she is in there active so you can always ask your questions uh within the kiss my aesthetic facebook group as well um thanks and it was so lovely speaking with you as always thanks so much michelle thanks Catherine. catch you later guys bye Thanks again for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle, of course, and it would mean the world to me if you would go ahead and leave us a review and follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts, really. The Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group is also going to be a killer resource for you to ask questions, get feedback on anything branding, marketing, or entrepreneurship related. And to catch today's show notes or anything that we talked about in this episode, make sure you go to mkwcreative.co slash kmapod. We'll catch you next time.